Hello, ladies and gents. It's the Baggies Broadcast. It's season four, episode 10. My name is Luke Hatfield, and as ever, I am joined by a man who never lets it go when I have a loo day, a day off, a doctor's appointment. Even if I go to get the door when the postman comes around, Mr. Joe Massey. It's because you have so many of them, mate. That's why I never let it go. It's because you're, ne- you're literally always off. <laughs> Do you know why I was off yesterday? Uh, some, uh, you'll come up with some fabricated story that suggests you deserved a day off when it simply isn't true. Whoa. Do you know what? I'm actually off next week. You're off next week and I'm you're moaning about week. me? I'm off next week. Do you know why I'm off next week? Why? Because my boss rang me and said, you've still got, you've got 12 days holiday to take this year and you can only carry five over. And he said, everyone else has booked a week off. So if you don't, basically, if you don't book... The, the week off of like the 30th of, that starts 30th of November, whatever it does, then you're going to lose it. So I've literally, my boss has had to ring me to get me to take holiday, whereas you have holiday that, well, you've got more, you've statistically got more holiday than anyone else in the company, haven't you? It doesn't matter if it's the CEO, the director, the founder of the business, somehow Luke Hatfield <laughs> has got more holiday than absolutely everyone else. <laughs> I mean, the fact that you said it's a fabrication in the first place. The reason I was off yesterday is because I'm working Sunday this week. Right. I'm 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 covering a Shrewsbury Town game. Oh, are you? Yeah, that's that's why I'm off. That's why I was off yesterday. Okay. But you you just taking a week off just because? Because I have to, mate. Because I wasn't going to lose it. What are we going to do next week without you? I don't know. I might just do it. If uh, I'm tempted to do a poddy anyway, if Albion beat Sheffield United, maybe we'll do a poddy anyway. Oh, dangling that carrot, are we? Yeah, it'd be nice to do one after a win for once, wouldn't it? It's been a long time. <laughs> it would, to be fair. Um, how, how are you feeling? I'm not getting onto the game straight away, but has, has, has the rage, um, or does it continue to fester inside you from Saturday night? Uh, yeah, I'm still angry, man. I, I think I can safely say I've never been this angry before. Um, <laughs> a football match has never made me this angry. I was, I was, so it's obviously Tuesday, we're rec- Tuesday now, we're recording this. Yeah, I was um, sat in my living room last night watching a bit of TV, and my wife walked into the living room and she came in in absolute hysterics. Right, okay. she was in hysterics and she she could, she could barely speak. Um, and eventually, what what I found out the reason why she was laughing was because she just started watching my video. No oh, right, okay. post match. Um, and she said that's what, she basically said that is what I'm like when I'm in an argument with her and I'm absolutely adamant I'm right. <laughs> But she can't get an ed- a, like a word in edgeways, and I'm, my hands go absolutely wild because I can't stop talking. Just like constantly, like waving my arms around left, right, and But I think in that video, I spoke for like four minutes before you even got a word in. Like you got to stop me next time, mate. You got to like jump in and say, "Calm down." <laughs> uh, how am I gonna? How am I gonna jump in mid-flow? I, I'm, I'm just letting you vent. That's what. That's what all the all the people watching want to see. Four minutes though, I think it's quite a long time, mate. Like for me to just talk angrily at a camera for four minutes is quite a long time. <laughs> I mean, it helps that I'm on the other end, doesn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but yeah, but I don't know. I did go off on one. It's fair to say. It's it's funny you mention that because my other half, she she's got a great. She I don't know how she does it. After any football game where the team I'm supporting loses, she has a great way of making it ten times worse, and I don't know how. She'll like walk in and she'll know the score and she'll go, how did they do? And just look at me. 
and honestly, it makes my blood boil. I don't know how she does it. She does it on purpose. She definitely does it to wind me up. Um, Is that why you haven't popped the question yet? Maybe. Maybe. Is that the deal breaker? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I had the ring ready. She walks in. So how did they do? Oh, no, 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 no. Take it back. Take it back. Um, Let's talk about the, the... Let's get into it and let's talk about the big, the big talking point of what what was essentially Monday evening slash Tuesday, and I'm sure he's going to rattle on now for the rest of the week. Um, there's been a lot of talk about who owns Albion. Is it Yasha G? Is yeah, we're not it, is going it Gra- down that route again. We've sorted it, that. <laughs> we sorted it, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. Is it Grouch and Lie? Um, could it be someone else? Could there be a, a, a new name in the fold? Could there be? A potential buyer, Joe Massey? Um, I don't think so anytime soon. Um, sorry to burst everyone's bubble because I think obviously everyone, I think the vast majority of people would like um, a takeover, or I certainly would. Um, we've said before, um, we basically think Villa's owners are sort of the model owners, um, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately. And yeah, we'd like it to happen. And look, we don't. I don't think Gouch and I has got an awful lot of money to spend. And I've said many times in this podcast, I genuinely, genuinely believe that Gouch and I is willing to sell Albion. I, I think he's open to offers for the club and I think he would like an escape route um, if he can get somewhere near what he sold the club, bought the club for, sorry, which I think it's been. It's often said he bought it for about £200 million and, I, and, I, and I've wrote that. Um, but I do think, perhaps with a bit more research, it was more. It was closer to £175 million. Uh, I think I'd be more comfortable now saying that Lai bought Albion in the region of £175 million. So mm. so what has emerged this morning um, and over the sort of, is that, and written over the last couple of days, is that there's been expressions of interest in Albion. Now, this is something I had heard. Um, I'm not, um, but I think the starting point from this is that if you're an American investor, you're... Your dream isn't to own West Bromwich Albion. It's your dream is to own a club in the English game. Mm. Um, if you understand what I mean by that, it's not. This isn't someone who grew up 15 minutes away from the Hawthorns, becoming a, a billionaire due to, I don't know, creating an unbelievable vacuum cleaner and, but buying the club. Where, where did you know. come up with that? From? I just James. I don't know. I was just thinking of James Dyson at Dyson for some reason. I don't know why he came into my head in that particular moment, but he did. Um, I don't know why. I really don't know why. Um, but <laughs> that's the, that's sort of the dream, isn't it? That's like you, you you get someone who 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 was was on the terraces when they were five and blah 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 blah. Um, when you're an American investor, when you're a Chinese investor, when you're and whoever an investor, you are keen to get in the English game. And the truth is, what what will have what I what I have to say is, and this is this is journal, journalistic use of words. Okay, I always when I when I know something that maybe people aren't willing to confirm, I tend to say I understand. Mm-hmm. I and like I said all along in the summer, I understand Albion are interested in Carlin Grant. Albion were never going to come to me and say we want Carlin Grant. He's our number one striker target. But I, I'd heard on the grapevine he was. And I was very, very confident in that. So I could say, I understand Albion want Carlin Grant. I'm not saying I understand this time. What I'm saying is, I believe, okay? Mm. So I can't really... I'm not confident enough to back this up, but what, what I believe to have happened, and 
the situation I believe we are in is that as American investors interested in coming into the English game, and I believe they they have approached multiple clubs, and unfortunately, I think a lot of those calls will just be tentative inquiries. It will literally be picking up the phone and saying, hi, we are, we want to buy an English club. West Brom is potentially one of the ones on our list. How much do you want for it? Yeah. And, and they'll be given a price. And I think in this instance, what I believe to have happened, not what I understand to have happened, what I believe to have happened is, it seems, and according to John Percy in the Daily Telegraph, Gouch and Lyers turned around and said, oh, we're willing to sell for around £150 million. Um, and these American investors have gone, okay, well, thanks thanks very much. That is a little bit more than we'd like to pay. Yeah. Um, and there's been some talk in this talk of the Telegraph about 15%, potentially, um, them investing in 15%. I don't know why anyone would do that, really. Um Unless it's a view to pick up more stakes in a not too distant future, yeah, or shares. I, sorry, as I've said before, I don't. I don't think Lai is a, is a, is a rich man. I don't. I don't think he's worth anywhere near what um, he's reported to be worth. And I'm not sure how successful his businesses have been in the pandemic and over the past year, eighteen months, whatever. So I could see why selling fifteen percent would appeal to Lai, because he would immediately get a cash injection, mm. um, which he could use for what, whatever he wanted to use it for. Um, I don't massively see why anyone would be really willing to invest, fifth, like you said, they could to, maybe to buy further shares down the line. But the truth is, if you want a football club, you want 88%. You want to be able to make decisions without anyone else yeah. calling the shot. So suddenly, if Lai hasn't got 88%, and if these new investors have got 15%, S4A have got... 12% and it, it becomes you'd have, to, you'd have to say that S4A's hand would be very would be quite significantly strengthened really because they own 12% compared to the American investors 15% there's not an lot, awful lot of difference there yeah um, so that is what I believe has happened I don't believe a takeover is close I do you know what it says in it says in John Percy's story that basically the negotiations are open. If Lai is willing to um, lower his price, um, then potentially they could come back. Um, but from what I believe, I don't be- I don't believe a takeover of Albion is close. So what you're saying is essentially, I mean, to put it down to a more you know personal level, so that so that. It's, it's always it's always crazy when you're dealing with clubs because you're talking about vast sums of money. Say I I like the look of a car, rang up said oh yeah I'm willing to give you like I'm I'm interested in this car how much do you want for it and they say fifteen hundred quid and I'm like ah it's a bit too much for me. When in reality you're kind of hoping that they'll call back in you know maybe a week or two saying okay maybe maybe twelve hundred. Does that is that the kind of route we're going down obviously dealing on a much smaller level yeah yeah basically yeah and i think that i think the big thing with the, with the telegraph story today i think because i had i have to say i had heard that there have been expressions of interest in albion in the past but that those interests hadn't got off the ground so for me that wasn't really a story Do you mm. see, i don't you don't i don't want to whip we're talking about whipping people up again like we were in the podcast last week but you don't you don't want to say let's be honest we've put out a quote a, a, a tweet today asking for questions for this podcast 
yeah. the vast majority of questions are about a takeover. Suddenly, everyone is very excited about a potential American takeover. And I think and it is clear in that Telegraph story that the, the, the takeover isn't close, really. If there's, if there's been an... Lie has not agreed to sell. The price he is setting for it is too high for these American investors. So from just from that story alone, we're saying it's too close. The, I wouldn't... The reason why... So that's why in the past I wouldn't have ran that story. What, what, why that story is really significant for me and why John Percy and the Telegraph absolutely had to run it was because of the price. Mm. That lie is essentially saying, I will accept £150 million for it, according to their reports. That is what the Telegraph is saying. Essentially, the asking price for West Brom is now £150 million. Now, yeah. that's very interesting. That is very, very interesting. Because it is £25 million less than... Well, in the region of £25 million for what lie paid for it. Um, it shows he's willing to take a loss. And it confirms what we've always said, that... He wants to sell. He wants out. Um, but the truth is, uh, I heard a clever saying earlier today, which was, a lot of a lot of owners. How do you? Uh, I don't. I can't. I can't remember. I said uh, a lot of owners, uh, as the period of time they own the club. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want it more than they wanted it. Yeah. So, like, if you look at like Mike Ashley or whatever at Newcastle, he probably loved being there for like three or four years but yeah. ever since he's been trying to get rid of it um, I mean I, I covered Walsall for years I mean Jeff Bonser was basically desperate to leave um, but couldn't get anywhere near what, what he wanted for the club and I think there's an awful awful lot of clubs in that situation um, so it's often that it's, that's often the case as well when you know owners will see um, you know that they've invested at X amount and they've not had the success that they maybe hoped for. It happened down the road at Villa with with Lerner. Um, for for Albion fans that know about that, he invested a lot of money. They looked like they were going to break into maybe that top six. Didn't do it, and then all of a sudden he's looking at all these expenses and saying, "One minute, this isn't really really worth it. I'm not getting the clout that I was hoping to maybe get from it." Um, and you know maybe maybe financial issues elsewhere are starting to affect. And then all of a sudden, it's no longer. This this football club that you love being around, it's a bit of a burden. Yeah, I, it's it's not easy to own a football club, and especially not easy to own a club that potentially can float between the Championship and the Premier League. Because when it, when that happens, the value changes so drastically. Yeah. Um. So, what we know is this is what we think we know. We know Lie wants to sell. We know. There is a sort of a movement in America to be involved in English sports, particularly football. Mm-hmm. We know that Albion are a more attractive proposition in the Premier League than in the Championship. But we also know that anyone who has got the money to invest in a football club isn't stupid. And they're going to be well aware that there's a decent chance that Albion could be in the Championship next year. So... Is anyone going to go back to that 150 million? That's that's the question. Um, the interesting thing is they are in the Premier League, so that does potentially does have the room potentially to speed things up. But I don't think anyone. I personally don't believe 
I'm going to use on that word believe that anyone is near to meeting Lies 150 million pound valuation. Mm. That's my belief. And that's pretty and much, yeah, that's all we can I don't know, yeah, that's pretty much all we can say on it, really. No, it is. And let's not forget that things like buying a football club, nine times out of ten, are not are not swift deals. You can, it's frustrating for Albion fans, and I don't mean to bring the club up again. But when Villa were taken over, it seemed to happen almost in a week. Like all of a sudden, there was these new owner potential. All of a sudden, they bought it, and all of a sudden, the previous owner was out the door. It's not normally like that. You you only need to look at at Newcastle. You only need to look at other clubs where there have been long protracted takeover talks to realise that it doesn't take a week. You're talking months and months and months. So there's some fans who were looking at this saying, "Oh, these new owners, if they're in, you know, in the next month." Then we could, we could have a massive amount of money to spend this this January. It's I hate to burst people's bubbles, but I mean it it could happen. But the likelihood is that it won't it won't happen in that in that kind of time frame. Even if these these buyers are really interested and they say, look, okay, we can we can do a deal because it takes so long. Yeah, I mean the three things I'll just say three things to say on that. One, the Telegraph have not said Albion are in talks over. Oh, it's my phone. It's a new buyers on the phone. It is. Hang on. Oh, Hang on. Um, at the Telegraph. How professional? I don't know. I can't. Albion have not said. Uh, sorry, the Telegraph have not said that Albion are in talks over a takeover. They, they mm. haven't said that. So that, that's that's our starting point. So anyone, I think, to get. That's but they just haven't said that. So don't get too carried away to begin with. On the flip side of that. We are dealing with an owner who is incredibly, incredibly secret. We yeah. we have got we have got we have got the most mysterious owner in the country. There's no doubt about it. He is the most mysterious. We don't know how much he's worth. We don't really know anything about his family. We don't know about all the business he's he's involved in. He is a mystery. You read his Wikipedia page, and it says little is known about him. No one. So. I said before on a podcast, I think if a takeover was to happen, I do think it would be pretty quick because I Mm. think the talks will be in China. Lai is based in China. A lot of it will take away, take place on the other side of the world. Um, So when I think it's likely, I think like you said with the Villa one, like you said, within a week you had a sniff of it, within a week it had happened. But my third point is, Villa were in a dreadful financial position. Yeah. When that takeover, and that is key to that. Uh, Dr. Tony Gio, whatever his name was, he had to. He, he had to go. Yeah, he couldn't. He, he didn't have much leverage. Let's put it that he way. He had no to, to leverage negotiate. whatsoever. So that that's a completely different scenario. I mean, I think it's fair to say that Villa were heading into administration, weren't they? I mean, they weren't paying tax bills. There were players who were literally about to be sold to pay for the wages of other players. So. Albion are nowhere near that. So they don't have to rush through a quick takeover. Not when I say Albion are nowhere near that, Albion are very well run. Like they're yeah. not, they're like, they're like this, it's not even like, you know, there's no comparison whatsoever. Like it's not, Albion are a self-sufficient, well-run club. Um, they couldn't, it couldn't be any more different to the situation Villa are in. Um, so, I mean, I'm completely contradicting myself there because what I'm, I'm saying, it's not going to be a Villa quick one, but I'm also saying we know nothing about Lie really. Um, so it, it could be it could be a very similar time frame, but for completely different reasons. 
Yeah, and the only reason why... The different reasons would be that Lai's been working on this for three months. Yeah. And they've done all their... They've been going... Like, doing everything absolutely properly and no one has got a sniff of it. I think that would be unlikely. Even in China, I think that would be unlikely. That no... You wouldn't get a sniff of it. But you never know. But with this only, you don't know. But what I'm saying is you can't... No one can expect... If it's quick, it'll be because of that. It won't be quick because of the Villa one was quick. Yeah. Because they are two completely different scenarios. Villa were desperate. Yeah. Um, and they won the lottery, really. Um, but they're, but but obviously Albion are... They balance the books, don't they? They don't have to worry about paying the bills. Mm. And and Lai would have... And Lai and the club has obviously used that as... As a reason to say, look, we're worth a little bit more, maybe because you know, look how well run we are. You know, we don't have to worry about this and that. You don't have any like, you know, anything to worry about in terms of that respect. So, it is an interesting situation. It's one that I'm sure will, you know, will rattle on. Um, and one day, you never know. Maybe that, maybe, it, maybe it will go through. Um, let's talk about uh, stuff on the pitch, Joe. Uh, United one, Albion nil. Uh, you said you're still angry about it. I've got some talking points to discuss, and the first one will come as no surprise is a VAR. Um, I've, I still don't know. How it's not a penalty for Conor Gallagher. Well, it is a penalty, mate. So that it is a penalty. Simple as that. It's a penalty. I mean, I got so much stick for tweeting about a previous game, and it was it was a very similar situation. I think the Albion one is is even more clear cut. I mean, Bruno Fernandez. This is the thing. On Twitter, people people talk. Oh, he 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 got the ball. He he is literally. I mean, if he if he's if his boots are one size smaller, he doesn't get it. And he bet it, it doesn't really affect the ball at all. And he absolutely clatters poor poor Connor afterwards. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing. I mean, like, there's nothing. Honestly, mate, we can go through it all day long. But there's nothing. I, every, I think everyone listening to this, everyone who's seen it, everyone knows now. Everyone knows it was a penalty. Albion have written to the Premier League to seek clarification. It's what it's what clubs do, uh, but it's all irrelevant really because everything. It's more that's more of just a sim- symbolistic way of saying that we really disagree with it, isn't it? Yeah, and it's like I used to talk, I used to talk to Dean Keats about Walsall a lot, and he used to just say you shouldn't like you couldn't show me because like, I wish you could see these pieces of paper they send back giving their explanations. He just said it's just a joke, really. Um, like what's the point? You, you just do it to you just do it because. You're angry and you've been cheated, really. And everyone, that, like I said, everyone that listens to this knows it was a penalty. Everybody knows Conor Gallagher was fouled. Um, it's just, it was a penalty, simple as that. Absolute joke of a decision. Um, honestly, think it's psychological. I actually, um, actually, I might dig this out because. So I said this. I think I said this in the video post match, um, and. And I absolutely think this is this is what happened. And it's when referees go to that monitor, they 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 know that they have to change their mind. Yeah. So this is what really really frustrates me about the situation. And we are going over old ground. So like we don't stop me if it's boring or it's repeating itself. But you're never boring, mate. I don't know. Um, VAR is supposed to work. You there? Oh, sorry. Yeah. So VAR, are you still yeah. there, mate? Yeah, VAR. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah the officials, the, the officials at Stockley Park 
have the right on the spot to overrule a decision. They send referees yeah. to the monitor when basically when they're not sure. When they've seen something that they doubt and they it's supposed to put the put the, the power back in the hands of the referee, blah, mm. blah, 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 blah. But psychologically, it just doesn't. Those referees know if they're going to that monitor, there is an issue with their decision. There is something that isn't that, that people aren't sure about. That they're they they're going there thinking they're gonna gonna um see a mistake. And that what and I found these quotes from a chap called Felix Zwire, right? I think that's how you say his name. Okay. He, he is a Champions League referee. Right? He is a Champions League referee. And he he refereed a game last I think it was two years ago, um, in the Champions League. It was between Juventus and Atletico Madrid. And he okay. got and he got called to his monitor. Right? And this is what he said. He said it's only last week. He said they called me for an on-screen review, and at this moment, I already knew I would have to cancel the goal because they have evidence. I'm working with VARs for a long time. They would only call me if they have evidence, and I need to change a situation. So it's not about that they are taking a decision, but I know that if I go in front of the monitor, there will be something which will change my mind. Now, that's not my opinion saying that. That is a Champions League referee. Mm. Saying when he goes to the monitor, he feels he has to change his mind. And, and it's frustrating as well because it's. I, I'm not saying refereeing is an easy job. It's. It's not. It's a hard job. I'd, I'd argue that it's. It's a. It's an incredibly hard job with the with the pace of the players and the, the speed of the play. Um, and they do need help. But when you when you watch it back and you've got different angles and you slow it down to such a level, you can. You can make an argument for almost anything. Yeah, I do agree with what you're saying there, but I, I, I almost don't feel like you can in this situation. So, like, when... I I, I am, like, an in-the-moment kind of person. Like, I, I get carried away. I probably... I say things... I, get, I do get carried away in the moment, and sometimes I say things I shouldn't. And I tweeted, as soon as I saw that penalty replay, have I, uh, my actual tweet was something like, have I gone mad? That's a penalty. Mm. But but like I stand by it. Like I don't. You can you can slow it down. You can do this, that, and the other. But it's a penalty. It's a penalty all day long. It's, I don't know. You could watch it ten times quicker or ten times slower for me, and it's a penalty. Fernandez has scuffed the ball. He, he's not. He he's he's touched it. But he's barely touched it. Yeah. Um. You can't say that. Like he's taken. One percent of the ball and ninety-nine percent of the man. He it is a foul all day long, and I don't care how many times you watch it, um, and at what speed you watch it. That is why that decision is so wrong. Um, and he's that's that's my argument as well. Like just because you get something on the ball doesn't mean it's not a foul. I was getting people give you so much stick when you say something like that. It's like he's he's only got he's not got enough of the ball, but he's only got enough of the ball for me if it dispossesses the player in possession of the ball. So is 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 him getting that tiny nick on the ball, if there's no contact between the two players, is it going to stop Conor Gallagher maintaining possession of the ball? No, it's not. Therefore, it's it's a foul. Exactly. Exactly. And I just I just don't see how I just don't see how he couldn't have the courage of his convictions, the referee, to stand by that decision. I don't really understand why they called him over to the monitor, if I'm honest. 
It was a penalty. Um, and I, d- I really don't understand why then they have called him over to the monitor and, and he's and he's crumbled. Um, it's just, a, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. The rule mm. doesn't work. It's, a, it's, it's one of them, like, I think last season we were all saying you need to, you need to call referees over to the monitors, weren't you? We were, yeah. all, we were all saying that and I was saying that we have to call them over but we've, it's like, I'll tell you what it's like. It's like, can you remember like 10 years ago the government introduced a law to say that all jobs had to be advertised. Yeah. So that rule sounds like really logical, doesn't it? Like, it, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You have, every job should be advertised just so it doesn't go to someone already at the company. Um, and so everyone gets a fair crack at the whip of getting this job. Yeah. But that rule doesn't work. And the reason why it doesn't work is because, let's say Nathan Judah left tomorrow. Yeah. You, you would deservedly, I'm not just saying it, but you would get his job. Yeah, despite the holidays and loo days, I take. Um, yeah, well, yeah. You've, I mean, you've obviously got influence high up, hence the reason <laughs> why you take so many holidays and loo days. So, I mean, it's even more of a shoo-in. Yeah, that's a better argument, actually. Better than yeah. natural output. You've obviously got connections. <laughs> but you would get that job, wouldn't you? But we would advertise it, and there'd be 15 people at home who'd go, I really want that job. And yeah. they'd spend probably all week, all their evenings all week, putting together an application... They'd be interviewed, you'd be interviewed, which was a complete waste of time because you're getting the job anyway. Yeah. And then everyone's time would have just been wasted, but... Well, apart from the person who... Because I would get Judah's job and then we'd probably hire for my job. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Forget yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, the, not, not Normally there isn't a backup job to that. Is, do you know, you know what I mean? But like, Yeah, I know, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So like, it's just... It seems like on paper it's a great rule. Um, but it doesn't work in reality. And, and that's what's happening with... With with this, they, they going to the monitor, they can't, they they can't. The, the referees haven't got the courage of their convictions to stand by their original decision. I'm yet I'm yet to see I'm yet to see a, a referee go to the monitor and uphold a decision. Yeah, they don't do it, mate. They don't do it. I'd love to know if it's ever actually happened in the Premier League. Because I don't think it has. I can't remember one happening. Um, and also, and I lo- I have to admit, I I absolutely love Martin Samuel for the Daily Mail. Um, the Sunday supplement that used to be on Sky mm. that was for I mean I've cancelled my Sky Sports subscription genuinely honestly you can ask my wife we used to keep Sky Sports just so I could watch a Sunday supplement because um, I loved that show so much and he was him and Sam Wallace are my two favourite people I love Martin Samuel because he's not on Twitter and I just think fair play mate for not being on Twitter in this day and age when you're an absolute you've got you got to be special to be able to do that you've got to be special haven't you um and he, he put a comment piece out yesterday. Um, first of all, I, mean, I didn't know this, that David Koo wasn't supposed to even ref the game in the first place. Yeah, he was down to referee um, Liverpool, wasn't he? But then he got he got binned off because of the Van Dijk injury. Yeah, he, he was did. the VAR when Pickford clattered Van Dijk and missed that completely. Um, and because he had such a fierce backlash on social media from Liverpool fans... Yeah. He was taken off that Liverpool game and put in charge at Old Trafford. Um, and Martin Samuel raised the point, and is it, it's a valid one. Has he bottled that? Because it, if he gives it, let's, he has gone to that monitor with doubt in his mind. Because yeah. he's been called to it, there is doubt. Is he thinking then, I can upset X amount of Man United fans around the world... Yeah. Or I can upset X amount of Albion fans, the vast majority of whom live in the West Midlands. 
Yeah. And you don't, I don't, is it, I don't know if it's conscious, subconscious, I don't, maybe that thought never went through his mind, maybe it did, he's the only person who can, who will know that, maybe he doesn't even know that, maybe it is subconscious. But, I tell you what, it's possible. There's a chance. It's possible. Um, and, yeah, and that's, and that's, and, and, and the last thing I'll say on it is, the best midfielder on the park was fouled in the box. Yeah. The best he's, midfielder on the park. He he's, was he's, fantastic. He's been outstanding since he joined the club. And it's, it's, it's a crying shame he's only on loan because he's, he's a right player. Um, someone else who was fantastic, uh, Sam Johnston. Uh, for him, I mean, it wasn't just the VAR for that penalty. Obviously, there was a penalty the other the other end. I mean, it's it's never handball, really, but by the letter of the law, it is, and it's incredibly harsh. But for for Sam Johnson as well, I mean, he was fantastic all game. Put on a right show at his old stomping ground, um, although he didn't get too many opportunities to stomp that ground in Old Trafford. Um, but I mean, I wanted to get onto penalties in this rule. For me, there's got to be a change of rules there. I don't see how, in this day and age, and and Sam Johnson said it himself, and and you've, you've, there's a story on the Express to Start today from you saying it. How can Bruno Fernandes be allowed to do a penalty where he takes about eight steps, hops up, uh, and then jogs, slows down a little bit, and then speeds up, and and then takes his penalty? But a keeper can't tread a millimeter in front of the line. I think there needs to be a rule change. I think there's so many, mate. I think we need so many rule changes. That's what, I mean, I tweeted the game's gone after Fernandez scored the second time, and it has. I said in the video, we've got so many rules now, nobody ever wanted. Like, it wasn't VAR technology was supposed to help the game. And I've said it a million times, whether you're offside by your toenail or not, no one cares. No one cares. If, if, you, if, you're that, if it's that close, whether you're scoring a goal or conceding a goal, fans accept it. No one's going to moan about you conceding a goal when... You're offside by your toe because no one. Mm. It's just absolutely ridiculous. The handball rule was an absolute joke. It's never handball. It's just not handball. It's like, I, it, I, it, Premier managers must have told their players to put more balls into the box. Yeah. At that height. At that not at that specific height, mid height. They must have. Yeah. Don't aim for an area. Just aim for the area around a man. Yeah. Try and hit the first man. That's essentially essentially what you're saying. Try and hit the first man. And you might get a penalty for it. Like, I bet on Football Manager, you always have an option. You can do, like, whipping whipping your crosses, do low crosses. You can tell your players what to do. Just swing it in arm high. Swing yeah. it in about, like, mid-drift high. Because the chances are it's going to hit a hand when, when a player's two, like, steps away from you. Mm. Just ridiculous. That rule has got to be changed, as far as I'm concerned. There was some, there was some talk yesterday that it had been changed, um, and that that more, it's more like the in- interpretation of the yeah, rule. Yeah, the referees like, are being given more, more, more kind of like, license. Yeah, they? but I don't know. But it's no, it's no good after the fact. No, and there was some sort of rule change after the Chelsea game as well. You know, when Havertz is handball. Like that's the thing. Like Kai Havertz. In that Chelsea game, it's not handball. Yeah, it's not handball for the, nothing. Nothing is like nothing's nothing's in favour of, of the defender at all, is there? No. Um, so Kai Evans gets to handball the box in in the ninety sixth minute or ninety seventh minute or whatever it was, ninety fourth minute I think it was for Chelsea. 
That's the thing. It shouldn't be handball, but because of decisions made previously, you're calling for consistency. So that's that's what everyone wants, don't they? Consistency, but within reason. Albion have seen that penalty handed out elsewhere, and they said, "Well, one minute. Why isn't it for us?" I just don't understand it. It's really, really bizarre. And then the penalty, like you said, the hop, skip, and jump is just. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I just again, like I'm repeating myself, but I don't know why everything is is on the goal. I don't know why everything has to be. Why do they get to do what they want? Why do attackers get to do what they want, but goalkeepers can't? That's the issue for me because look, the keeper's already being punished because he's in a massively disadvantageous position. He's. I mean, anyone, any striker or midfielder from twelve yards. I'm not like. I'm. I mean, I'm not being funny, but you should be scoring a penalty. Like ninety oh, yeah. percent of the time, you should be scoring. If a keeper pulls out a worldy save, he pulls out a worldy save. But it's guesswork. It's not a, the keeper doesn't wait until he kicks it and then goes, "Oh, he's going that way." It's it's very rare that happens. He'll guess aside, and he might do some research and say, "Look, Bruno Fernandes normally goes this way. Normally goes this way." But end of the day, you meant to score that penalty. You don't need more more of an advantage. For me, it's simple to fix. Right, keeper has to stay on his line when the run up begins. All the all the ref needs to do get his foam out, draw a line, just draw a line, maybe a yard in front of the keeper. It's not hard, if because you you don't want him rushing the penalty taker, of course not. But in the same respect, no keeper is gonna gonna rush to the six yard line, is he? No. I mean, there needs to be some common sense. Get your foam spray out, just put a line, maybe a yard in front of the keeper. It's. I mean, I know it's a, a rule change and this and that and people will be like well one yard for one referee might be different to another but it's, it's like when you're taking a free kick just draw a line take 10 steps and draw a line that's all you need to do with the keeper just draw a line in front of him it's not hard I agree mate I think it's really unfair I think it's really it's, like, it's so hard to say he did so well to save that penalty <laughs> yeah it's not like that step don't get me wrong right it will help a goalkeeper giving him that step because it it builds a little bit of Momentum for them to actually, you know, you, you're not going to get to the corner if you just dive right. You need to take that step, and you can argue that Sam Johnson, he knows the rule. Yes, he does. But at the same time, you're in a game of football. It's it's hard to police that kind of action, and you could say, oh, maybe t- maybe start like a, a step behind the line and then take that step so you're on the line when you do it. But you don't. It's tough to police that for me. If you're a goalkeeper, you you, you give them a chance. That's all I'm saying. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. So we've got three rule changes there. Let's scrap this ridiculous toe, toenail offside decision. Let's... You could do. You could fix that. Just the the thing that bothers me, like the Bamford one the other day, where Bamford's like pointing where he wants the ball, and the top of his arm is offside. I know you can score with the top of your arm. Just play it by. If you if if you're a ref, if you're a linesman and you, if if he's got two like if his two feet are behind the last man. But his head might be in front of him. Just give him that. He's, he's standing in an offside position, but his head is in an offside position. That's the thing. I think give him. I agree. Give him that is the saying. Like that's exactly right. Give him it. And I, and I genuinely don't think anyone would moan about it. You're, you're, you're the team conceding that goal. No one's bothered. If your two feet are onside and your heads are not, that's not an issue. No one would care about that. No. It just, for me, like it sounds so simple when you're talking about it now, but I'm sure there's loads of different things because you could argue then, well, you're still going to be looking at lines on the floor where his feet are if his feet are level. For me, if it's not, 
and it's it's hard to say this because what's obvious and what isn't. If he's not if he's not obviously offside with his feet, then just give it him. There was a daylight rule, wasn't there? That was the best rule. If there's daylight, if you can see some light between the player and the between the attacker and the defender, they're offside. Simple. Yeah. It's it's I mean it's it is what it is. Um coronavirus I mean Christ we're forty minutes in, Joe. Um coronavirus, uh let's not forget Albion were dealt uh, a weekend. They're miss- they're missing some key players as well. Well yeah, so obviously Jake Livermore and Kieran Gibbs and then um Billich said that there was a couple of players on the bench um that would have started that otherwise couldn't because they hadn't trained for ten days. The difficulty here we have here is that Look, everyone's going to speculate who it was. Um, however, um, footballers have a right to confidentiality if they test positive for COVID-19. So, Kieran Gibbs and Jake Livermore have obviously waived that right. Um, mm. So, we can talk about them. Um, we can't talk about any more, really. Um, so, yeah... Ev- Billich had a couple of players. He said in the press conference before they were waiting on results for a couple of players. Um, and that's all really we can say about it, really. Everyone everyone could everyone's gonna sort of have everyone's gonna have a fairly good idea, I'd imagine. Based mm. but yeah, for confidential reasons, we can't really go into anything more than that because they have got a right to um not let people know. Yeah, of course. Um but was a blow, of course, and in, in, you know, in, in, against a side like United. Um, and last, and lastly, from the game, I'm going to try and be quick on this because we've we've still got questions. I think it was f- pretty obvious that the baggy the, the baggy's players are still fighting for Bilic here. And there was talk, there was talk about you know, always oh, is Bilic the right man to to keep going? I think after the last, I know I know there haven't been the best results, but after the last two performances, I don't think you can really argue otherwise yeah I think a lot of that talk has gone away really um, I've got to say I think the reason why I mean I don't know if this will come up in the questions or not but I think probably the re- reason why I was so angry for so long after the game is because it's only a fear it's not It's not again like I'm saying I believe I'm not saying I understand but you just the truth is if Albion don't win any of the next three games or whatever, whatever happens, everyone is going to forget what happened at Old Trafford. Mm. I got a bit of stick yesterday speaking to people at work and they were like, oh, you said it's cost them a win, blah, 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 blah. And like, I think even Sam Johnson said that probably a draw was a fair result. And in, on the balance of play, it was because United did have a lot of chances and he was magnificent. Um, but, Al, but United didn't score from open play. Um, I, find, yeah. I, I think there's a chance... They get that penalty. United go, uh, Albion go on and keep a clean sheet. Um, I think it's more than possible. Um, yeah. I certainly think they would have got a draw if they got that penalty. So, and I think it just feels like we know there's we know there has been tension between Bilic and the board. We know that. We know that over the Amid Agazi sale. We know kind of that Bilic was frustrated with the initial twenty million pounds the club had to spend in the summer. We also know it's 13 league games without a win now. Mm. Um, and it just... my I'm, just, I'm worried, and it's just a worry. That is all it is, is a worry. It's based on absolutely no knowledge whatsoever. Um, and I don't want to be quoted elsewhere on it. 
just in the context of this podcast. I'm just worried that something expect something something will give eventually. Something has to give. Like, and if if after the next three games Albion haven't won, then there is going to be immense pressure on Bilic. There is, mm. there is, and no one's going to care that they, it took an 88th minute goal from the best striker in the world to see Tottenham beat them, and no one's going to care that the most dreadful refereeing performance of all time was the reason why I didn't get a result at Man United. It's all going to just fade away. Um, um, And that's my fear, really, that if they don't pick up results, then when that number gets to 14, 15, 16 games, the pressure will mount again. Um, And I I think that's really sad, if I'm honest, Um, Mm. because I don't see what more Bilic could be doing at this moment in time I, like the, the players are definitely playing for him like you said at the start There's no, I don't think that's ever really been in doubt um, perhaps after Fulham away when it was yeah. it, because it was just so catastrophic um, but of course the players are playing for him and I think the one thing there's been times when Albion have been too easy to play against a lot the, perhaps a lot of occasions in those first six games really when Leicester give them two penalties, concede a dreadful goal and give them two penalties. I mean, it was easy win for them, really. Yeah. Everton, Kieran Gibbs sent off, blah blah blah. Even like the Brighton game, say, which Albion preserved a point from Brighton, and and Billich yeah. said at the end, um, if one team wanted ten minutes more, it was definitely Albion. It was like if. Albion were yeah, def- they were a terrific second half, weren't they? But that first half, they weren't. And, and there was a 20-minute spell where Brighton ran rings around them, really. Um, and obviously, Southampton battered them, let's be honest. They, they, I mean, it was, that was, that, it was boys against men that day. So that mm. there was, quite rightly... Well, it was right to say that Albion were too easy to play against. They were too easy to play against. And I think some of that was down to Billich. Like, going 4-2-3-1 at Southampton was a mistake. Um... Probably in hindsight, playing Filip Kravinovic as a holding midfielder at Fulham was a mistake. Yeah. Um, but but what they've had to do is become harder to be, and they have they have done that. Bilic has he's learned as he's gone along. They've made tweaks. The three-five-two really works for them, um, and they look tough to play against all of a sudden. Mm. So we've now got an Albion side that. Is gonna is is in the battle every single week. Um, I don't think they're going to be blown away like they were at Southampton again. I really don't. Um, unless like someone like Man City have an absolute one of their best days, then I think. And those games are free hits, aren't they? So. And those games are free hits. So I think I don't know what more Bilic could have done in his yeah. two years in his eighteen months at the club. Promotion, twenty million pound budget, and he's now built a team. That's hard to beat in the Premier League. It's, has it come four or five games a bit too late? I probably has, if we're being honest. But mm. we're in, we've got a long way to go. Twenty-nine games still to play, um, and I think everyone thinks they can do it. They've got a chance. Yeah. They've got a chance. Yeah, they definitely do. Uh, let's go on to questions then. So, Ronnie, first one: talk about takeover and VAR for big club. Big club favouritism, please. Kind of done that already. Uh, local Baggies fan Leeds have a lot of their fringe players playing in the under-23s. Why aren't we doing that with the likes of Austin, Grzycki, Edwards, etc. fitness? See, I think that's a great point. That's, it, 
that's Bielsa all over. He plays big players in those under-23 games. Big, big players. Opposing teams must hate that. Um, but he's all about, because of the intensity at which they play at, he believes that they can't get that intensity in training. So he wants them at ma- playing. I mean, I, I, I really i am on board with that. I don't yeah, unless unless you play, get players start getting injured left, right and centre. So for the 23s, you can only have three and a goalkeeper, I think, who are over 23. Mm. Um, but but I agree. I mean, get them playing. The likes of Grzycki, Austin, you know, these are players. You, you mean, you never know what's going to happen over the course of a season. Let's let's say, you know, no one wants it to happen, but say Carl and Grant and, and Robson Carney both get injured. All of a sudden, you're looking at Charlie Austin. He's like, well, he's at least he's, he's at least on the bench. Yeah, but I mean, he hasn't. He's barely been on the bench this season. They're so far down the pecking order. That's what I'm saying. So if if at least if he's playing under 23s, he's got some sort of form or fitness about him. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I agree. I agree. Sam Box has a uh, El Hatfield star embarrassingly slash shamefully abandoned his fantasy team as they slide into the lower depths of the Braggies broadcast table. I have not. Um, I'm just not, very I'm just not doing. I'm just not doing very well. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, I'm 143rd at the moment. Um, do you want to know who's currently winning the potential meal at Nando's with us? Go on, Brendan Walsh, the Grady Bunch, uh, 618 points. Um, and I can't say the next two team names <laughs> uh, on, on, a, on, a, on this podcast, but I can tell you who's made the teams: Patrick Carey. And Robert Shermer fill out the top three. Um, but feel free to look up those names, but I can't be saying them on the Express and Star Baggy Broadcast, Baggy's Broadcast um, podcast, I'm afraid. Um, next one, uh, Richard Downing. The only way Mr. Lai will get a higher bid for the sale of the club is if we stay in the Premier League. Does this now add more pressure on Billich to get results? Uh, to me, we have the right man, uh, but will the owner gamble to try and stay in the Premier League? I think that's a fair question. I think that's a fair question, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't. I, the, the trouble is, that I, again, it's I have got absolutely no access to lie, and I've, it's not even that I can. Having spoke to him fifteen times, I can, I sort of know how he works and can gauge an opinion. What I do know um, is that very, very senior figures at Albion, and I mean very, very, very senior figures at Albion wanted Dean Smith to be manager um, yeah. but Lai appointed more so he was essentially advised by everyone everyone loves Darren Moore and everyone really appreciated the job he did as caretaker mm. manager but at the end of that season they wanted Smith was he the cheaper option I suppose I don't think it was a cheaper option I think it was Lai looking at what Moore had done and saying he's our man he's done like his this like his results stack up but um so that's the it's interesting because as no matter how absent he is no matter how much we don't know about him and no matter how much we question his motives when it comes to the really really big calls lie has the final say mm. um and it'd be interesting because <laughs> You would, you would imagine Luke Dowling, if Billich was to go, I don't think Luke would want an Allardyce or a, I think he would want to keep things 
what people perceive as all, like I, I think they want quite a nice attractive manager really plays decent yeah. football um, but would lie say our best bet here is to get some Allardyce and keep us up in reference to the question I think it puts more pressure maybe on someone like Lai as opposed to Bilic because I think Bilic is doing what he can to get results anyway he's not going to be worried about trying to keep the side in the top flight so that they can get a decent price I think that puts more pressure on the man who's, who's got the money. And, well, whether he's got the money or not is another question, but the one who's got the ability to pass down the money. Yeah, I think it... Yeah. I don't know. I, it's, it's, it, I don't even... It's how much does Lai even care? We don't even know that. It's, it's so hard to know. Mm. It's so hard to know. Um, but I think there's definitely potential there for that. Definitely. Yeah, uh, Leo Watkins, is it time to breed some positivity into this growing team? Despite the last 10 minutes against United, there's plenty of signs this team could have what it takes to survive, but condoning them to failure already, or condemning them to failure already, I'm, I'm imagining is what he means to say, uh, is going to do nothing to help. Yeah, yeah. I, I, look, I, I, I do think a lot of people think they can do it. The, the, the big thing is a win, isn't it? Everyone is going to feel so differently after a win. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the fans in the main, but the players are. They are going to feel so differently after it. Bilic has always played it down. Um, so it's not, it's not it's not weighing on their shoulders. It's not affecting them. But I think it must be. It must be so hard to keep coming off the pitch having not got what you deserved. Um, and Burnley won last night. Brighton won at the weekend. They have to start winning games. They have mm. to. Uh, everything's been... Going, every, there's no doubt everything's going in the right direction they look a team who are really capable of being in this scrap and being in it right to the end but to do that they've got to start winning um, and they've got three massive games coming out and Sheffield United are we doing a preview? I mean you can kind of cover it now if you really want but the Sheffield United game worries me because I don't, I don't know if I, they deserve more from that game it's more the um I don't know if you saw, it's, it's worth a watch if people haven't seen it, but Chris Wilder was asked whether he's concerned about his future um, at the end of that game. The, the sort of video has gone like semi-viral, really, because um, mm. he gets quite angry at the question, which I have to say, I can completely understand both sides of the coin. I can understand, it's not a question I would have asked, I have to be honest, but I can understand why a journalist would ask it. Um, and I can completely understand his response in the sense that he's been there for four years and over those four years he's dragged them all the way up yeah I mean probably the best four managers in English football in the last four years are Klopp Guardiola and Chris Wilder Mm. he has done unbelievably well and do you know what he's been he, he said he's never been sacked 911 games he's never been sacked Chris Wilder yeah and he was quite angry that the question was asked. And he, and he said that I think what I've done here means that question shouldn't be asked. And I do agree with him. Um, and then sort of the players have also rallied a little bit based on the fact he was asked that question. Yeah. Um, and come out and said how much they love playing with him and obviously how, how much they respect him. And obviously he is the right man for the job. I mean, look, Sheffield United go down. If they go down, they've got to keep Chris Wilder. Oh, yeah, there's not a manager better again and back up um, but that little storm and little show of support for Chris Wilder has just not come at a great time for Albion really might have just amped up and, and let's not forget I mean they, I think they hit the post twice or they hit the, they hit the woodwork twice in that game 
another day they could have won that. Um, and let's not forget, I mean, they are bottom at the moment, but certainly a threatening side. Um, Sandbox, what side are you choosing with your KFC? Gravy, beans or corn? None of the above. Gravy for me. I don't like gravy. You don't? Oh, my God. I think we've had this nice. on the podcast before. Yeah, it's disappointing. It's just kind of come to me. Um, Kieran asks... Coleslaw, uh, by the way. What's that? Coleslaw, by the way. Coleslaw. All right, okay. Uh, Kieran asks, a Wolves fan texts me on Saturday night asking if Sam Johnston was English so he could be called up genuinely. Puts into perspective how good the performance was. Realistically, though, as a big England fan, Joe, would you take Sam Johnston as a backup? Um... I don't mean to talk him down. I, I think there are a lot of good English goalkeepers, though, that he's got to battle with. It's interesting, because in the summer, he did a story with The Independent, I think, um, and said he wants to be in the England squad. Um, that's his aim. Like He wants to get in, and, and he said... I don't blame him one bit for saying that. I think if you're a goalkeeper in the Premier League and you happen to be English, or whatever country you're from, actually, you should be aspiring to play for your country. Um, and I think... Yeah, and he sort of mentioned Tom Pope and said how well he's done at Burnley and how he's sort of his inspiration. And it's, I think I like Pickford. I've always liked Pickford, I think, but his form has been absolutely shocking. Uh, if you're picking on form, he's not making the squad for me at the moment. Uh, I agree, I agree. And I really like Pope, I have to admit, but he can't, he, he's not great with his feet. Um, Dean Henderson. He's not playing. He's not playing. Who would be next in line? I might get a little bit of stick for this, but I think Alex McCarthy's a good goalkeeper. Alex McCarthy gets overlooked a lot. I think Alex McCarthy is a good goalkeeper, and he's been in and around squads before. Um, I think Johnson is giving himself a fighting chance, you know. I mean, statistically, the best keeper in the league. Yeah, statistically, the best goalkeeper in the league. Statistically, the best goalkeeper in Europe. Let's, uh, it's, it's always tough with goalkeepers, because let's not forget, I mean, you're often pinpointed as a good goalkeeper because you're a busy goalkeeper. And I know this, the stats kind of try and balance that out by doing expected goals and expected saves and this and that. But someone like Allison or Edison, who's not a very busy goalkeeper, is still a, a tremendously good goalkeeper. They're just not challenged that often. But then, I suppose you look at Chelsea last season and Kepa was statistically the worst goalkeeper despite I mean you'd argue that he's not as busy as, as some of the other goalkeepers in the league but his percentage of saves was, was shocking and they've obviously improved drastically haven't they since Mendy's come in yeah um, I'll tell you what he's given himself a chance that's all I can say at the moment I think at the, at the end of the I mean I love him I think he's been fantastic he has he has only been a Premier League goalkeeper for a couple of months hmm. Um that has to be remembered. But, I don't know, one injury to someone, and, I mean, look, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that Pickford drops a couple more clangers and doesn't play for Everton again this season. They've got a half-decent number two, I can't remember who it is. Someone who, yeah, um, and he, start, he started a game a couple of weeks ago, didn't he? And if he got a chance and did well, then suddenly, if you've got Pickford not playing at all and... Dean Anderson not playing at all, and Tom Pope. I don't know. I, Nick Pope. Nick Pope. Sorry, Tom Pope. You got Tom. Tom Heaton's not not even playing for Villa at the moment. He's playing under twenty threes because they've got Martinez now. So it'd be. It'd, it'd, I know Heaton's been more in the England setup than 
than some others, but at the moment he's not playing either. Hmm. Tom Pope used to play for Port Vale. Is he striker? He is, no, he does play for Port Vale, actually. Um, yeah, he's striker, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I once interviewed him when I was at university. How about that? I always call Nick Pope Tom Pope for some reason. Um, there we go. But yeah, there's a chance. There's a chance. chance. He's, he, he, that, that story did in the summer, it now looks possible, doesn't it? Hmm. Uh, Joe, when are you putting your Christmas trees up? Mine is already up. Um, I know yours is already up. You did a fleet. I did a fleet. I've 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 been waiting for your first fleet. Well, I've got my issue on my phone, haven't I? I? I thought I'd do a fleet at Old Trafford, so I took a few pictures. You should you should do it on purpose an upside down picture. That should be your your thing. Because like when I go to a game, I have a thing. I tweet a picture of a ground, and then I put like. West Brom v Southampton, and then I do the weather emoji of the weather at the time. That's that's my every time I go to a game. That's why I tweet. I didn't know that. Yeah, now you'll look and you'll see. <laughs> it doesn't matter whether I'm covering, you know, West Brom. I could go to a World Cup and cover a game. I could go to to Hales Owen and do exactly the same thing. That's really interesting. That's just my way of just. This is it. I'm in work mode. My work tweets are going. All about the weather. Yeah, so you should do an upside down one of wherever you go. Well, if you think that, then you're going to be really disappointed because I took about five or six pictures around Old Trafford, all of which ended up either on their side or upside down. And therefore, I couldn't <laughs> fleet. I was excited. I thought, I'm going to have a little fleet here. I'm going to go to Old Trafford and have a fleet. I thought that's what I might start doing. I might get to grounds, take a few pictures on the way in and stuff, and do a little fleet. But basically, it's not going to be possible until I get a new phone. Have a word with IT, get yourself a new phone. Yeah, I might do, actually. Do it. Uh, What was the question? I can't remember what the question was. We've gone off on a tangent again. That's your fault. God knows. Um, Okay, Clint McCormick. uh, With you both being Albion fans, uh, that's incorrect. Uh, What was your first game that you went to? What are your memories of the day? Luke can say his first game reporting if he's still pretending to not be a fan. Um, Believe my first game covering the club was a Premier League game and it was a game Albion won I think or did they draw it no they won against Bournemouth and Amadegazi scored a header it was a year they went down actually Um, yeah I mean my first game was an Ipswich game because technically I grew up well I did grow up an Ipswich fan I Uh, think you meant Albion mate yeah but it was Ipswich Albion is what I'm saying oh was it oh okay yeah yeah like when obviously when Ipswich were in the Midlands, it was easier to go to see them, so we always used to see them at the Hawthorns. Um, but I genuinely can't remember what the score was. <laughs> Absolutely no, I can't. I've got no memory for stuff like that. I remember the very first game I ever went to, which was Aston Villa versus Hull City in the FA Cup, and Villa won three 0 Stan Collymore scored twice, and Julian Jochum got the other. Loads of people have got good memories for stuff like that. I just can't remember them. It was just a special moment, you know, your first football game. Like it's just. It's one of them, you just don't forget it. I think I've still got the ticket stubs somewhere. I hate the fact that it was in the FA Cup third round, I remember it very well. I wish I could remember stuff like that. I don't remember other stuff. Ask me what I had for dinner last night, I'm really going to struggle. Yeah. My mates take the mick out of my memory. They're like, remember when we did this? And I'm like, no. (laughs) It's sad though, like, it's sad. (laughs) You need pictures to capture all the moments. Yeah. But they're all upside down or sideways. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh dear, never mind. Never mind. Well, your first game covering the club was Fulham. That was Fulham. I remember, I remember that. that, yeah. I do remember. That was a brilliant day. It was a good weather day, was so yeah. nice, wasn't it? Show me a dry. Yeah, equaliser. Um, Dave, Neil, uh, we're getting on to the last couple now because we've run out of time. Uh, looks like the West Mids will be in Tier 3, so no fans allowed. Uh, we haven't really touched on that yet. Other teams could have 2,000 or 4,000 fans allowed. Seems an unfair advantage to those teams. Thoughts? Uh, should there not be a level playing field? For me right now, all the games are going to be, you know, all the fans are going to be home fans anyway. You're going to be outnumbered regardless, even if you have fans there or not. Uh, I know you might say that, you know, games like Man City where the away fans are loud and the home fans, yeah, 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 whatever. Uh, but just having fans in grounds for me, it, it's a, it's well above the fact that, is it unfair that someone has more fans than the other? Uh, do you know what? I honestly don't care. I just want to see fans back in. Exactly. Yeah. It is, it is a bit of an advantage. It is. It is, but in the same respect, I mean, there's only, what, 4,000 of them. I know it can be loud when there's 4,000 people, but they're going to be socially distanced. Um, It'll make a big difference, but but I don't care. I don't care. The, the payoff, the profit of just having fans in the in the, in the ground yeah. for me. Yeah. I don't care if you support the club or not. Yeah. Um, just having fans there will be great to see. Um Another one here from Darren James. If Sandwell is in Tier 2, can you ask the club if disabled season ticket holders will be considered for the ballot? Our wheelchair bays are spaced out, so plenty of social distancing in the East Stand. I'm assuming you'll hear more from the club as and when. Yeah, but if you copy and paste that tweet and email it to me, then I'll look into that. There you go, Darren. We'll look into it for you. Um, Right, that just about does us. I mean, we're an hour and five, and I know you wanted to keep it to an hour, so I'm already run over a little bit. Oh, yeah, I do want to keep it to an hour. We had some very nice comments last week. Uh, I think they were just ha- happy to have it back. Yeah, probably. Because <laughs> you've gone again, yeah. And now you're going away, so I don't know what we're going to we do. I might do week. one. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. If we win, I'll do one. Oh, okay. You've you've nailed your you've nailed your banners up now. Yeah, if we win. Do you know what? One right. last thing I do want to say is I wasn't that, like like. <laughs> there's a lot been a lot of talk this week about like championship or um. Premier League and stuff and I've always been kind of like on board with the championship like mm. I found it I think it's more interesting league more competitive um, I like the fact that anyone can beat anyone I like the fact that we're sitting here now and like I mean alright it is a bit different in the Prem this year but if you said to me you had a crystal ball now and Bristol City had won the league or Norwich had won the league or whatever I believe whoever you said do you know what I mean because anyone can win it it's just and I was always thought the championship is better than the Prem but do you know what? After going to Old Trafford, I'm proper Premier League now. Oh, are you? Yeah, I want to stay in it. You've gone big time. Yeah, I just feel like, nah, do you know what? This is where you want to be. This is where you want to be. I get it for the players. Like, you, you, like Bristol City is a beautiful ground, but it doesn't compare to sitting in the media room at Old Trafford, which I didn't even get to sit in. But That's it. I mean, you're getting half an experience as get, well. You're not getting the food. Getting half, and I just thought, this is what it's about, like, about really. I want to be in the, you want to be in the Premier League. You want them Premier League away days. You don't want you? those Premier League away days. Uh, you want that moment where you're at Anfield and you score a goal and you go a goal up. So I've changed tact really because I was all champion and if I was all cha- yeah, but now I'm like, I want I want to stay up so bad, stay up and get gradually better and better and better and better, and then win the FA Cup. That's my dream. And then you and then you can leave the job a happy man. Yeah, I re- I, re- I resign. I'll, res- I'll resign at Wembley. <laughs> like Kevin Keegan. 
Oh, but I'll nice. do it in the media room rather than in the toilet. Spectacular. Spectacular. You'll do it on video, will you? Yeah, with you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of the game? But I don't care, mate. I'm going off to celebrate. I resign. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, part of me can't wait for the day, but the other part would be really sad. Um, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, right, I just about does a send another episode of Aggie's Broadcasts. Uh, in the can. Hopefully Albion can get that first Premier League win soon. Uh, and we will find out whether Joe Massey wants to do uh, a podcast next week. So we will find out um, come when West Brom versus Sheffield United. But until next time, bye-bye from me. Bye-bye from Mr Massey. Farewell.